From downtown Los Angeles on a Thursday night, welcome to Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew, J.B. Long. Here comes week number five in the National Football League, and the Rams are seeking their first four-game winning streak since 2003. That was their last winning season as a franchise. Are they poised to repeat that feat here in 2016? Let's dive right in, gentlemen, with your opening thoughts. And uh, DeMarco, as we found out, Monday night at the Westlake Village Inn, uh, Jeff Fisher thinks this is a new season at the quarter pole. His team is 0-0. Zero zero. He cracks me up with this. Um, the same guy that wore the Peyton Manning jersey when he was still the Tennessee Titan head coach, you know, wore just out of respect, but to tweak his own team. So I just, I love the 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 uh, the, the psychological coaching that he does. So it's 0-0. Zero zero. In other words, you haven't done anything yet. And, you know, I mean, you could pat yourself on the back and, you know, say you're three and one at the quarter pole. That's what everybody's shooting for outside of four and four. Um, you're trying to keep your guys from getting too far ahead, and I appreciate that because I think we talked in training camp young tendencies, right? You you can get away from yourself here, so I, I thought that was smart to say you're zero zero. That's how they're coaching it. I thought that was cool. Mo, as we get set to come back to the Coliseum for only the second time before week nine, what's on your mind as the Bills arrive in Los Angeles? You know. Uh, DeMarco said it best. In training camp, we were talking, and they do have a young team. But when you have a young team and you win early, they continue to ride high and play well. Um, this defense is playing lights out right now. I mean, guys are getting hurt. Guys are stepping up, playing better. Aaron Donald's playing both D-tackle and D-end. Uh, Tremaine Johnson's covering some of the top wide receivers in the league week in and week out. And so when you have that and they believe, you know, I think part of this league is belief. Do you have the confidence to understand that you can go out there and uh, execute your job better than the person across from you? And the Rams, that's what they're doing. You know, even if Ty Gurley's not getting their their yards, they still believe that they can win somehow, some way they'll find a win. And we saw that start against Seattle. And it's just carried through. And each week they've gotten better and better and better and better. And I'm expecting a, a, a really good showing here at home again. Yeah, I was impressed with their hunger on the road at Arizona. That had every reason to be an emotional mismatch with the desperation the Cardinals were feeling after getting blown out in Buffalo. Uh, the fact that they didn't want to start 1-3, one, one which is where they ended up. And the fact that if the Rams had told you before the season that they would come home for this Week 5 game against Buffalo at 2-2, two and two, I think a lot of people would have signed up for that. I mean, that would no be a good start given the, the schedule that they've played to this point. I, I wouldn't have thrown it out. Absolutely not. Um, just the Rams love playing down there. Um, they love competing against that group, that coach, that everything. So uh, Arizona brings the best out of them. So the one thing that you worry about, and this is why I'm glad that Jeff Fisher said it's 0-0, because I wonder can you keep that same intensity with Buffalo? Somebody you don't know. Somebody you don't have history with. So I, I think that's why you go where you go, like what he said, what he said. Yeah, we'll get to that right here because all the opponents L.A. has played so far this season, San Francisco, Seattle, Tampa Bay even, and Arizona, you know, they see all those franchises at least once in each of the past five years. There's, there's the familiarity. Buffalo, they haven't played since 2012. There's a new coach, new coordinators at the helm. So how different is that challenge? Here's Jeff Fisher on Monday. They're well coached and they're they're a good team and they'll probably be there at the end. But it's nice to, to accept the challenge of focusing in on a new opponent. And that's the, that's the big challenge. And D remembers this. I mean, you got to familiarize yourself during the week with, with an un, unfamiliar opponent. And that's the key to having success. And so it's a lot of extra studies, a lot of extra pre- preparation, a lot of extra testing and things like that. So this is a you know they they're all but all but buried after two weeks and they came back and had two big wins and then 
I don't care who's under center or who's playing for New England. You go into New England and shut them out, that's quite a proposition. Yeah, first road shutout for the Buffalo franchise in 26 years, becoming the first team since 93 to blank the Patriots in New England. And they're seeking their first three-game winning streak since 2011, a year they started 3-0. and Mo, what's it like in a film room, in a locker room during a week when you're getting set to face a team that you haven't seen in several years, maybe throughout your entire career if you're on the younger end of the spectrum? Uh you know, I, I think more than anything, you just want to go out there and figure out how you're going to attack this defense uh, from an offensive standpoint. Offensively, who are their playmakers and then how you're going to stop them. And so um, defensively, obviously, it's Tyrod Taylor. Him and LaShawn McCoy, you have to be able to stop the run and force Tyrod to beat you with his arm, not with his legs. And so the more you can force Tyrod to throw the ball out of the pocket and, and throw it to those receivers, the better the chance you have, the more chance your defensive line can get to the quarterback. Uh, on the offensive side, you have to continue to force the run. Regardless of what the stats are, continue the force run. Todd Gurley should have between 20 and 25 touches a game, which is, which means you're in the game and you're playing well. And then that opens up your play-action pass. So when you're looking at – obviously when you're looking at Rex Ryan and his defense, and we played him a ton, he's going to bring blitzes just like Greg Williams. So training camp, you had a ton of work against every type of blitz that's going to come. Yes, it may be a little different because it's coming from a 3-4, but it's not – the 3-4 like the 49ers or the Cardinals are more of attacking 3-4 where guys are shooting in the gaps and doing certain things like that. You look at yardage differential, the Rams are towards the bottom of the league. You look at points scored, they're still towards the bottom of the league. But DeMarco, you have to look that as a, a glass half full proposal, right? The fact that they've managed three and you're wins. Three and you're 3-1? They've found ways. <laughs> and really, they haven't played anything that you would even grade as like a, yeah. a B-plus or an A-minus, much less a complete effort in all phases. Well, if you had to grade last week's defense, what would you give it? Seriously, just top of mind, what would you give that grade? I mean, uh, turnover-wise, a minus plus in terms of the right. turnovers. And but. they gave up 144 yards receiving to one guy. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's things that can get better. Um, it's opportunistic defense. It's it's situational. They're doing a great job in the red zone, no doubt. Um, but going back to the uh, the playing the unfamiliar foe, I loved it because when you play division foes, there's one thing they know you, you know them. This other guy hasn't had a chance to study me. At all. So I can throw two or three different moves at him or get away with stuff against him that I can't get away with against Arizona or any kind of division foe. So, so look for big plays there. But definitely, man, um, I'm with Mo. I would, I would definitely keep Tyrod Taylor on the move and keep him throwing from the pocket as much as possible. Once he gets scrambling, percentage goes way in the toilet. That's what I'd try to do. I think you guys both share the same thought, that the running games for the respective teams are going to dictate a lot of this outcome on Sunday. So I want to spend a segment on each of those sides of the ball. How do you contain LaShawn McCoy? And then, Maurice, especially for you, if you're Todd Gurley, what would you want from your offense to get you more touches in better spaces to make a bigger impact? We'll do that when we come back. First, you might have caught that Jeff Fisher show with us on Monday. We had a great audience at the Westlake Village Inn from the Reeds Furniture Recliner Lounge. Feel free to join us every Monday in person, 6 to 7, or here on ESPN LA 710, and tweet your questions for the head coach at ESPN Los Angeles. More from Fisher. We'll hear a little bit of Case Keenum. Plus, Aaron Donald has some bulletin board material. All that as we go through Rams All Access Week 5 here on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access. Maurice Jones, Drew DeMarco Farr, and JB Long say this about Buffalo. They are committed to the run. They led the NFL in rushing attack last season. And because Russell Wilson was hurt, I think Tyrod Taylor represents the first truly mobile quarterback the Rams have seen since their Week 1 debacle at San Francisco. You're hating on Russell Wilson? 
I'm no, no, no. I'm just kidding. I mean, but we saw what he was. <laughs> right. You identified it in warm-ups that day that he was not going to be mobile Russell Wilson. He was going to be standing the shotgun and deliver Russell Wilson. So here comes Tyrod Taylor, who's the Bills' second leading rusher and their first leading rusher. Mo, I just want to get your general thoughts on LaShawn McCoy as a former great backer uh, yourself. Where does he stand kind of in the modern pantheon? Uh, Shady is one of the top backs in the league because he can make you miss in the phone booth. You know, one of his best things, his best traits is that his ability to shake two or three guys at one time. And so when you're talking about uh, the run plays, the inside zone, the outside zone, the way they try to get him the ball in space, you have to corral him. You have to have four or five guys at the ball every time because he leaves that ball loosely out there and he lulls you to sleep how he sleep, but he's going to shake you once or twice. So, you know, especially when you're playing a running back uh, similar to Shady or anything that's a shifty guy, you have to shoot your gun and you have to try that your te- your defense is going to run to the ball and rally behind you. You know, I've been surprised that after Carlos Hyde and Blaine Gabbert and the 49ers ran so effectively in shutting out the Rams that Tampa Bay and Seattle and especially Arizona with David Johnson did not try and duplicate that blueprint. Johnson only got 17 carries last week and I think Buffalo is is the first team maybe since the 49ers who are going to be committed to running it more than they are throwing it, and that could present a problem, I think, for this Rams defense. Well, the 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 issue with the the week one, and we don't like to mention the name of the team that we played week one, but <laughs> San Francisco. yeah, the Niners. It is happened that they they were able to convert on on first downs, and the game dictated them to run the ball more. Right, so when you're ahead, you want to run the ball, but when you're in Tampa and it's a shootout, and you get your run stuff two or three, four times in a row. Then you're gonna be like, all right, we're not. We're just gonna abandon that and go to the pass. That's what successful. Yeah, we're in a game. I know Muscle Hamster was hurt there too, but Tampa Bay had a larger lead on on LA than any of the teams the Rams have beaten these last three weeks. They did, but when the press when when you had that, I want to say Tremaine Johnson's uh, hit pick where he hit the guy, the ball gets up, Mark Barron Mark picks Barron, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, pressure's on you because now they score. Now you're like, oh, the, we don't have the momentum. We have to fight to go get it back. And because they stuffed the run so early in that game. Where they were, you know, stopping the run with a, a, a unloaded box, uh, it definitely uh, it makes it tougher. But you know, I think most of those other teams, like they did a great job against Arizona as well, st- shut the run down, forced them one, made them one dimensional, and they have to do that again this week. You know, when you make a team one dimensional, the, the 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 probability of you beating them is, is higher. Yeah, go ahead, Darko. I, I was just, you know, we were talking about like when was Shady's bad day, and we came up with Miami, 2015, early September, and. Sure enough, it's the Miami Dolphins. Great end play. Cameron Wake was was healthy then. So that controls a Tyrod Taylor. And for the most part, this is going back to when Chris Long was still here, but William Hayes, if he plays, I hope he plays, is the same. And Robert Quinn, when he's out there, uh, is the same. They're pretty good at playing those fast quarterbacks. That's why Jeff Fisher said we have a lot of team speed. He's talking about on the edges. So they're quick enough and athletic enough to cut the quarterback off if they keep it and get back in that cutback lane in case Shady McCoy, if you give it off and he cuts back. so But that's going to be the game, man. It's going to be assignment football. Uh, it's going to be all 11, and you all have to be on the same freaking speed. Um, when we talk about headhunters or tackles, this is where tackles are important. Yeah, I mean, just get them on the ground, especially 52, Ogletree. I could care less if you have a highlight shot. Let them run you over. Just get them down. And you got to be there on time. The problem is sometimes guys, they take those kill shots and they create those vertical seams. And like you said, this guy can make three guys miss on one move. And then he's down the field and you've got no chance. Big play touchdown or gassed you. 
You know, it's it's you have to be all eleven to the football at all times. So you said something coming in today that I haven't heard you say before, and that is use the sideline as an extra tackle. You don't mind if he gets to the perimeter. I don't want him in the middle of the field. I really don't. I do not. I want to keep him going towards the sideline. The problem is, and this is what I think Chip Kelly used to drive Chip Kelly crazy. When you do funnel him to the sideline, we've got him as a defense. He cuts that thing all the way back. He's never out of the play. Now, sometimes you get him for a 13-yard loss. That would drive me nuts. But he's never out of the play. But keep him to the sideline. Let me get to Aaron Donald's role in this game, and I'll preface it with the uh, the little exchange with Rex Ryan that was resurfacing this week. In 2014, Donald made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Rex Ryan had Sheldon Richardson with the Jets. Uh, he was upset. He took a line from one of his staff members, and it was essentially that AD couldn't hold the jock of Sheldon Richardson. This week... Uh, Donald took it all in stride. Yes, he remembered it. No, you can't put that genie back in the bottle, even though he's comparing Aaron Donald this week to former Pro Bowlers. So here's that uh, reaction from Rex when he was called on it this week by the media. I don't blame him. (laughs) I never knew the guy. I never even saw him. That was what was said to me. So I made the comment. I'm like, hmm, after watching him, oh, I I want to take that back. You know me, I make some comments that aren't, aren't really good. That's one of them. This guy is ridiculous. I'll be honest. He reminds me of of John Randall. His quickness, change of directions, I mean, unusual. I mean, you just don't see it. And so, yeah, that probably wasn't the smartest comment of all time. That's high praise. One thing about Rex. Randall Hall of Famer for the Minnesota Vikings. But one thing about Rex. um, Rex, the head coach, is fun. Fun to talk about. But that guy knows defense, and he knows good players. He just compared you to one of the best ever. That's, That's high praise. That being said, it's still going to be a motivating factor for Donald as we continue on here with Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710, DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew, and J.B. Long. Uh, but, Defar, you say it can't be too much of an engine yeah. cooler on Sunday. I would be shocked, man, if that really got to him, Aaron Donald, the way he plays. And it better not. I don't think he has to be pissed off to play well. I think he can just beat you. He's that special, but... If it does get under your skin and you're over-aggressive, I mean, he can hurt you. He can absolutely hurt the defense by being too wild. Uh, It's happened before in Washington. First game of last year, uh, he got caught going upfield versus a sideways offense, and I believe both running backs killed him that day. You know, production equal tolerance. But I would say let the game come to you. Just play the call until you see their run plays, and then the second time around, kill them. And you will, absolutely. I don't think their guards can stop you, but if you're over-aggressive, they'll chip you to death, especially with these two guys. And, Mo, the Bills will run a lot at you in the running game, whether it's direct snap, whether it's zone read, uh, toss sweeps. They'll they'll throw it all. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because a run game is so simple. There's only like four or five types of runs, but you can formation them and make them look completely different. Like, obviously, there's a different, there's a ton of different tosses, but at the end of the day, it's just a toss. There's a ton of different different type of inside zones, which is inside zone. So when you see the running back's footwork and you understand defensively where he's going, you just have to do what they've been doing, shed the blocks and get to the ball carrier. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is shifty, and he's a guy that can do a lot of uh, great things. But when he gets hit in the backfield, like he tends to lose a ton of yards. The ball's fell, and you have a chance to, to get turnovers and things like that. So, you know, Tyrod Taylor is one of my good friends. We, we actually text this week. And I was just like, listen, you got to understand, you're, you're going against get hit. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said, you're going against Tell him a defensive line that's the real deal. You know, they're, they're going to get after you. And he was like, on tape, that's all I've seen these guys flying around. So they're definitely preparing for that.
Uh, DeMarco's going to have a big day for us on Sunday. You know why? Because it's going to be a defensive tackle show. You got Donald. <sighs> Uh, you know, a little bit like it was with Gerald McCoy in Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. And, Marcel Darius oh. coming off a four-game suspension. Oh, so shook. on the field Sunday, you've got Donald and Brockers on the Rams side. Uh, Darius and Kyle Williams, who's having another great season. He's been carrying the He's load for their beast. defensive front. Yeah, uh, another so 6-1 It's Christmas guy. week for DeMarco Farr Big in time. Week 5. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, but this defense has to find a way to get off the field. Speaking of the L.A. defense, they face the second most snaps in the NFL, just one play shy, the Miami Dolphins. To me, mm. that's been one of the more astounding parts about their 3-1 and one start. It's the fact that five of the top seven individuals in the league in terms of snap count play for the Rams defense. Baron, Ogletree, Alexander, True, and TJ McDonald would be even higher had he not gone through the concussion protocol in Arizona. So is that sustainable for many more weeks? Seattle's done it. Snaps? Seattle's done it for years. Well, I, I would say this. I think it's, uh, you know, Coach Fisher says something to me early in the year about the way they go through the week, how they practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, and then they're tapering down for games. Um, they're getting most of their, their work done early in the week. So now once once Wednesday's done, they're over. Like after that, yeah, you're yeah. not you're not worried about it. everything's going downhill, and so you can recover and 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 be fresh for Sunday. And well, that's 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 why he's doing that because he understands that you're going to be on the field a lot as a defense. Well, even if they did the same system we used to do back in the day, I mean, remember San Francisco's defense and how long they were great when Harbaugh was there. Seattle's defense is still great. I mean, look, it's 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 early. You got a long way to go if you want to be a great defense. I know everybody's going to have bumps and bruises and bad things happen, but you can't let the owies get to you now. Like you said, your defense is balling. You got to take it up a notch. You th- this week is going to be difficult. It's going to test you big time, and you could lose it just as fast as you get it. You know how it is in this league. Yeah, it's it's a week yeah. by week league. Absolutely. All right, let's turn it around in our next segment here on Rams All Access and focus on Todd Gurley's two point yard six yards per carry try and resolve some things along the offensive line. And I'm going to ask Maurice Jones-Drew what formation he wants to see Todd in if if he was able to put himself in 30s shoes. Plus, we'll get you involved. We'll have some fan questions, a fan poll, and we'll go to opponent's territory with four-down territory a little bit later on on Rams All Access here on ESPN LA 710. You know, that's what we try to do. We, we try to not only represent ourselves, but, uh, you know, represent our team and represent that name on the front of our jersey. And uh, we don't take it lightly. We may not uh, have lived in L.A. very long, but, uh, you know, we want to fight uh, hard for this team and hard, hard for this city. So to be able to come uh, off a three-game winning streak, come back to the Coliseum, we hope, uh, we hope it's rowdy. Rams quarterback Case Keenum on the morning show with Key and the Gang here on ESPN LA 710. This is Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew, J.B. Long, getting set for Sunday at the Coliseum, Week 5 of the National Football League, and what an opportunity awaits. Only the second home game of the season, one of only two true home games before Week 9 of the NFL season after that bye week following London. If the Rams win, historically, 4-1 and one teams make the playoffs at a clip of about 74%. Lose and three and two teams advance only about one and two times. So there's a there's a swing here of about twenty six percent in terms of probability win or lose on Sunday against the Bills. That's pretty impressive. We asked you on our Twitter poll on Rams All Access based on the three and one start. Do you believe the Rams will make the postseason? Fifty three percent say yes. Forty seven percent say no. Thanks to more than three hundred of you who voted. All right, let's get into the Rams offense, which is still laboring as we've documented. And I want to touch on Todd Gurley and how they get him started. But first, how about some credit to the players that Todd, I think, has helped get off to really good career career numbers in terms of their starting quarter. And that's Kenny Britt 
it's Lance Kendricks, it's Brian Quick, all off to really strong starts because they're loading the box against Todd. Case Keenum as well. Throw him in there. I think he's playing well. Um, Rob Boris has seemed to figure out where what what routes Case throws well, the intermediate, not really all the way down the field, but they've taken some shots. Um, when you load the box and you gear up to stop one guy, your other playmakers have to step up, and that's what you're seeing now. Guys are stepping up, taking their, uh, doing their part. Brian Quick is a guy that you know scored three touchdowns this year. I want, I want to say he was coming off a shoulder injury, and and he's come out and he was on the bubble to get cut. Um, and obviously he's a guy that that's made some plays. So it's something that I think other guys are stepping up and understand that Todd does need help. Yeah, no doubt. You know, um, I feel the need to sometimes defend the O line. I think they get a bad rap. I do. They um, have they have graded out as the second worst offensive line according to Pro Football Focus. I, I bet, weeks. but they are facing a lot of eight man, nine man boxes. It's it's tough to block eight guys, like you said. the The, the defense is committed to stopping Todd Gurley, so it's it's not going to look good. Um, and they're not just like when you load the box as a defender. I'll tell you this: where you start is not where you're going to end up. Mostly, right? We're trying to create indecision up front. Right, which stops the running back in the backfield. So that's why it looks like I've heard people say, "Does Todd look slower than last season?" Well, when you're trying to pick and choose where you go, you look slower. But at some point, if you can start becoming a credible passing game, as in Rex Ryan starts to buy it, they'll start to back out of that eight-man box if you keep making plays behind them. Then eventually, you'll start to see these Maulers do what they do best. And you'll start to see Todd Gurley break runs. It's inevitable. If you keep hitting passes down the field, the defense is going to loosen up, and then you can get back to the ground and pound. I'm just glad they haven't gone away from it. I really am. I'm glad they're sticking with the game plan. And they're finding ways to get him touches in space through the passing game. His one-handed catch was sensational, but the game-winning touchdown against Arizona does not happen if he doesn't make that catch in the flat four yards shy of the marker and turn it up and convert third and eight. I mean, that was a gutsy play. And two weeks in a row, whether it's his goal line touchdowns against Tampa Bay or those catches he made against Arizona, he's impacting games himself, and he's allowing the other personnel around him to get better opportunities. Yeah, that that 2.6 you said was the yardage per carry? Right. It's 43rd, Mo, out of 44 qualified NFL rushers. The only individual behind him is the injured Adrian Peterson. Yeah, that's called three and one. That's what I call that. Because <laughs> right. what happens is if That's he's not if he huh? if he's not if he's not running the ball and they're not stopping the run, then I don't think the, the Rams are, are three and one. I, I I firmly believe that if he's not in the backfield, if it's anyone else, they're not who they are because now you can play cover two and and stop everything. And so what Todd is doing, he's allowing uh Case Keenum to see simple coverages. He's allowing Rob Boris to call game plans against simple coverages and understand that you're only going to see cover 3 or cover 1 man to man. And so when yeah. you see that, it's easier to call the game to do that. Now, yes, they're going to try to find ways to get Todd the ball, and that's awesome. You should do that. But we've had talks. I, I mean, we talked on the way uh, to the plane after the game, and you know, one of the things he was like, "Look, I'm just going to continue to be patient. You know, I know it's going to break one day, but I get it. We're three and one. I can't, I can't be around here pouting and sad face right. at what my 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 personal stats are because we're winning games, and that's huge. Like a guy like myself." You know, I might still be around here barking. Oh, you know, I'm You'll just right. well. Uh, you're winning, you know, Maurice. Enjoy it. Let's go there because I appreciate Demarco defending the offensive line. But what's the harshest word you ever had with an offensive line unit or individual oh, when you were fun. playing? 
I, I love the, it when they yell at their own guys. Go ahead. I right. mean, did you speak truth to them? Did you always? I mean, well, I didn't always like, have their back publicly. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I mean, but behind closed doors. You know, I understood. We, you know, we faced nine and ten man boxes before. We faced eight, eight man every week. It, it, it was that, but you know, we practiced. We knew that going in, so there's no excuse. Right. Where last year, this is new to the Rams. So when I was, I'm like, look, guys, we know what we're going to see. There's no reason for us not to block what we're supposed to block. Now, I get it. If there's a guy on the other side that's better than you, if we're facing a top notch D tackle, I understand. I'm not going to say much. But we have to uh, devise a. figure out a plan, really, to to get in well, space and make things happen. Or run through it. I mean, AP's run through eight men. You've run through eight men. It is possible. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's AP's, hard. AP's faced eight men since he's been in the league. But, I mean, it, it, it is possible. I it mean, is. obviously, there is a way to take away Todd Gurley. So there is another gear. There is another level. I mean, look, they're going to load the box on you for the rest of your life, man. I, if, I will, if, you, if you have designs on being great, so I would get used to it now. There's some people that uh, you need a guy on the outside to take over the game. Thank you. If you and, don't have it, though. If you <laughs> right. don't have that, then that's what happens. I remember we got Torrey Holt at the end of his career, and that was the first time, I forgot what game it was, we saw a seven-man box, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Right. You gotta, I've, right. Never seen, I've never seen this before. It was crazy. And then after that, we saw 8-9. Because then they were like, look, we'd rather Tory beat us than you run the ball. <laughs> Quick follow-up here, Mo, because our segment's getting short. But if you're in Todd's shoes, personally, you have to be a little bit frustrated. But personnel-wise, what do you want to see to get more running lanes? Are you okay with two tight end and a fullback? Do you want to see more 10 personnel and spread it out a little bit? No, nah, I, I mean, I think you need uh, 21 personnel. That's just a, a tight end, a fullback. And you have to run power. Power will work eventually. And when it works, the hole is going to be so big that Todd's going to be able to run whatever he ran the 100 through it. But, again, you have to understand that there's certain things that guys have to do. You have to continue to set things up and wear people down for it to work. And eventually we'll break. We also have to remember it's the first month of the season, so everybody's fresh. Everybody's excited. They want to play football. Come October and November when you're beat up a little bit, it's getting a little colder, right? Um, guys are traveling. Yeah, you got, you got some things going on. Stinger. People aren't going to want to tackle. And that's when you're going to see Todd break off those big runs. My whole career, I, I was like, I feel like I was like the sick, second or third most person with 90 yards, 98 yards, 97 yards rushing. But all my 100-yard games came in November on because they have no one wanted to tackle. Speaking of tackles, you pointed out Ogletree, right, having a big day against yeah, yeah. Shady. On the other side, Zach Brown is having a monster season at linebacker for Buffalo. He's leading the NFL with 52 tackles coming in, career-high 18 last week. If he gets 13 on Sunday, he would set an NFL record for most tackles through the first five games well, get, of a season. You get better ready. get ready. Get ready if Darius plays. They are keeping those guys so clean it's pathetic. I'm serious. Uh, what's it? Corbin Bryant? Is there a starting nose tackle? I mean, I, I assume he's going out when Darius goes, goes in. He's done a great job keeping those guys clean. If Darius gets in there, oh, he's going to make every tackle. One of those brown guys is going to make every tackle on the field, no doubt. The yeah, guy's yeah. a block eater. Darius, a two-time Pro Bowler, coming yeah. off a four-game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy, and we'll get more on him next as we continue here on Rams All Access as we go four-down territory with Michael Rodak, who covers the Bills for ESPN and ESPN.com. All right, time for four-down territory, our weekly trip into opponents' territory, and we've got four questions for Michael Rodak, who covers the Bills for ESPN and ESPN.com. Michael, welcome. Hey, thank you. All right, which Buffalo should we expect at the Coliseum on Sunday? The team that started 0-2 or the team that fired their offensive coordinator and has gone 2-0 since? I'm going to say the 2-0 team. I mean, this is a team the past two weeks that has really found their, their stride on offense. Uh, they put together those three opening drives against the Patriots and took a 16-0 lead, and they, they haven't missed a beat, even with Anthony Lynn 
as offensive coordinator, even with uh, Sammy Watkins on IR now with the foot injury. So I like their chances as a 2-0 team entering the Coliseum. I think they can keep up that pace. How about Tyrod Taylor, who's played a big part in that both through the air and with his legs? What confidence does Buffalo have in him making him their franchise quarterback? I'm going to say lukewarm confidence. They haven't committed to him financially, even despite the five-year extension he signed back in August. Uh, There's really several ways they can get out of that contract, and it starts next spring. They can walk away and not pay him the $27 million they would owe him next season. So they still need to see that next step from him. Uh, but unless they can find a better option, uh, he's probably going to be their quarterback for the foreseeable future. Whether he's their franchise guy, though, is still really up for up for grabs here. Mike Buffalo had a uh, suspended duo through four weeks. Marcel Darius and Chantrell Henderson both eligible to come back, come back and play against the Rams. What impact will they have on Sunday? I think it's a big impact for Marcel Darius. He'll definitely play according to Rex Ryan. So they'll take him off the suspended list, off the exempt list this week. They'll have to make a roster move to do that. Uh, He'll start. He's their two-time Pro Bowler. He's a big cog in the middle of the field, uh, but a good pass rusher as well. For a 330-pound guy, he he moves really well on his feet. Uh, Chantrell Henderson, I would say minimal impact. I would say there's a chance he does not play at all. There's a chance he stays on the exempt list. Uh, He's still working his way back from Crohn's disease, still trying to gain weight uh, after losing a lot of weight. Uh, this past off season, last one. A couple of USC greats returning to the Coliseum, including Robert Woods, who right now is the leading receiver. Uh, he seems to be thriving, while Reggie Bush can't quite find a role. It seems. Yeah, uh, Robert Woods has really slid into that number one role after Sammy Watkins was placed on IR. Uh, was third best game career wise against the Patriots on on Sunday. Uh, really was moving to change over the middle of the field, which we haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, doing not, not a whole lot of big catches from Robert Woods. He's been a possession receiver, but uh, certainly has a chance now to, to take over that top receiving role from Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and then you go down the list to Reggie Bush, really no impact there. I mean, it's almost surprising given how much the Bills talked him up when he signed back in August. Rex Ryan said uh, he was like a Ferrari that they were, were trying to unleash. They talked about having him and McCoy in the backfield at the same time. None of that's happened. He was a, he was a healthy scratch. Uh, last week against the Patriots, and I think there's a chance that he's no longer on this team even before Sunday's game in Los Angeles. Wow, good stuff there, Mike. We look forward to seeing Akel Roby and Kevon Seymour, former Trojans, back at the Coliseum as well. That's Mike Rodak, who covers the Bills for ESPN and ESPN.com. Mo, I saw your uh, your eyebrows shoot up there when what? you heard that about Reggie Bush. What's your feeling about uh, former Heisman Trophy winner? <laughs> for my money, the best college player I've ever seen, and he's just never reached that top end in the NFL. Yeah, there was a ton of expectation for Reggie Bush. I mean, you know, when you come out of college and you do that, Everyone expects you to go out and be Gail Sayers or, you know, whoever it may be. And so it was so much expectation for him. It was hard for him to live up to it. But to hear that you bring him in, he's a healthy scratch, and he might not be on the team by Sunday, like, then that's a GM issue. That's an organizational issue because why would you bring this guy in if you don't know how to use him? True. You know, and so many times, now you're wasting a spot. I, you know, I've heard multiple from multiple reports they're trying to bring Carlos Williams back. Yeah, I heard that trial like, might not be happening anymore. He showed up out of shape for training camp. Right. Well, they said they're going to try to, before I heard, they're going to try to bring him back and do all this. So it's just like, they don't know what they're doing up there. Mm. And, and, and and to me, it's What's crazy. What's his name again? Uh, Whaley? Yeah, yeah, Doug Whaley. He's been in the news a lot. <laughs> he, he has been in the news. Yeah. And then to hear like them not say Tyrod's their guy. And I, like I told you, I, I know Tyrod well. Interesting. Um, it he's is what do, it is. He's done a lot 
with what you put out there. And and sometimes you're putting out there, um, you know, I don't like to curse or anything, but they're not putting don't out there chicken salad. Don't you know what I mean? It. But he's making chicken salad. You know, I took a beating a long time ago when Reggie Bush was in college, when they asked me about his pro potential. And I said, I'm not sure. This is when he was the best college player ever. I think he was averaging more than 10 yards a touch. So at the time, he was officially unstoppable, a first down per touch. Um, I said, I'm not sure, man, because can you run between the tackles consistently? And he's not that big. What happens when you're not the fastest guy in the field anymore? Yeah. Well, and you also have to remember this. And, and when and this team's not 30 points better yeah, than who you're Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit yeah. different at, at the next <laughs> level. That's all I said. And it was just bad then. Yeah. But, but you, you stated that the, and Reggie, me and Reggie go way back, and we have a great relationship, but he had 25 guys off that roster in 2005 yeah. got drafted, Matt Castle being one. Right. Right, so you're talking about guys that don't even get on the field getting drafted. So there was a ton of talent on that field. And, and sometimes when you're used to just – all this talent and all these things going on, then you go to a team at number two who's not as talented, and they're trying to get to where they're going to go. Now it's different. It's a little bit different. <laughs> remember when uh, the big brouhaha was why, why Matt Leinart came back to USC, remember? Yeah. I, I see why. Did you see the team he was on? Mm-hmm. Why would you leave that? I would never leave that. He I, was going to be top anyway. Absolutely. Right. I, uh, greatest football team I've ever seen, or one of the best football teams so I've ever seen. So was ballroom dancing? No, it was not ballroom dancing, but it does not shock me. Like you said, if you don't know, if you don't use Reggie Bush, if you don't do the things that he can do, I'm not sure how much he can help you outside of a return man. Right. I mean, I'd be at least put him out there and let him return kicks. You know, I would to do that. Right. Again, I think he can do a lot of other things. He can play wide receiver. He can he catch the ball in the backfield. Him and Shady in the backfield on passing downs would be crazy. And that but, was the intention, is to go two backs with those guys. Right, but you have to have, um, you know, you fire your OC and the, after week two. There's a lot of things going on there, and maybe the running back coach, Anthony Lynn, doesn't see him as that viable of an option. Well, I'll tell you what, since they made that change, fired Greg Roman, elevated Anthony Lynn, they were at uh, rushing yards per game 75.5 in their 0-2 start, and their two wins since. 171 per, that's second best in the NFL. He put that He put that option in there. Have you seen that option play, DeMarco? Yeah. <laughs> the only, Why wouldn't you with Tyrod Taylor? The only, problem with, only problem with that option, that option, I've always told people, when you have a running quarterback, yeah. they become a running back. Let them run. Ask, ask uh, Cam Newton about, about a yeah. running quarterback, what happens. That's what I'm saying. I, I would jump on Shady. That would be my game plan. He does not get out, let Tyrod Taylor run, because I may get a shot at him. I'm going to get a shot at him at some point. Especially yeah. if you catch him in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Try to bust him up if I can. In case you're wondering who the backup is, E.J. Manuel for oh. 16th overall selection. Listen, get him in the game. No disrespect. And, I, and I say that with the most a little bit. The, in the utmost respect. But I would love to play against E.J. Manuel. It's not your fault they drafted you. It's not. Yeah. He, he, well, he, but he's football. not ready. He's not ready. <laughs> right. A couple business items here, guys. See more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com slash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Immediately following us, it's What the Heck? The debut coming up with Danny Kleppinger and Rams punter Johnny Hecker. Uh, the show origina- or, originated in St. Louis, and they brought it now to Southern California. I tell you what, if you had to vote on Rams MVP to this point in the season, Johnny Hecker got to be top best punter in the league, five if not top three. Yeah. He, flipping fields, the yeah, way that and he does. I, I, that's the key. He, you know, Jeff Fisher plays field position, and Hecker is the is a secret weapon for that. Yeah, he's always man. down the ball inside the twenty. He's he's doing all the and, good things. for And you. don't mess around and be lax in coverage because he can throw it a mile now. 
And will. And will. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> uh, lot to get to still in our final segment. Inside the Numbers is next. I've got a bunch of leftover questions for you guys, including how much did EJ Gaines help the secondary last week as we prepare for Buffalo in Week 5 here on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Courtesy of Ira Kaufman, someone I knew during my time in Tampa Bay, a sports writer there, he tweeted this week what amounts to common sense, but some things never change in the NFL. The top 11 teams at this point in the season in turnover differential, there are combined 21 games over 500 through four weeks. The bottom 10 are 14 games below 500. That bodes well for both teams that we'll see on Sunday at the Coliseum. The Rams plus four, Buffalo plus six, both of those top four in the National Football League. And so all the things that we talked about, adjustments, fixes, they all look a lot better in the win and loss column when you're getting as many short fields and as many opportunities off of turnovers as the Rams have, especially these last couple of weeks. Yeah, JB, you know, it's something that uh, I think we haven't harped on enough is the the way the defense is taking the ball away. I mean, they're taking the ball away at a high rate. They're finding ways to get their hands on the ball. If it's quarterback strip sacks or if it's picks, forcing the uh, running back to fumble, whatever it may be. And, you know, the, I think the one thing that we want to take it to the next level is you want to be a really, you know, known as a, a top-notch defense uh, is scoring you know, defensive scoring. So if you get an opportunity to score when you get the ball in your hands, that's something you always want to do. And I know Greg Williams, he preaches that because I was with him in Jacksonville. Barrett last I, I, week, right? You yeah. wanted him to house that. Well, well, yeah. Well, Aaron Aaron stripped the ball, and I think uh, Eugene Sims jumps on it. But if T.J. McDonald, if he doesn't jump on it, T.J. McDonald's right there to scoop and score. And that right there changes the game. Then we talk about momentum shift. When your defense scores, it just – demoralizes the the other team. But DeMarco, that was textbook last week. I love the way you described that. You know, one guy one guy wraps up, holds him up in the hole, another guy chops and a third player recovers. I mean, that was one, two, three by that Rams defense. That, that's that's how you teach it. Um, you know, when you look at the film on, on Monday and you have a chance to scoop and score, I, hell yeah. I mean Make sure you practice that because the last thing you want to do is bat the ball around and they get it back because that can also happen too. But I mean, my first reaction on a fumble was always recover if you're the third guy in. Just jump on that thing, bring, bring your knees no to the chest. No, tool. no, I do, I do. I'm, like I said, as as long as you practice that sort of drill, because look, I remember a couple of years ago, um, Jeff Fisher and the Rams, they were getting the ball out every single game. They just couldn't recover anything. It, it, it was crazy. I mean, like 15 straight fumbles without a recovery. It was wow. something crazy, right? So uh, as long as you practice it and you can scoop and go, then so be it. But make sure you get the ball. That's number one. Yeah, I think for me, you know, scooping is what we call a skill. You have yeah, to know how practice, to do it. Right. You have to practice it. But some guys are just natural. I think the way the ball was bouncing, TJ McDonald was going to have a chance to take that thing 80 yeah, yards yeah. to the house. We've seen what happened when Westbrook scooped up the uh, fumble in Tampa. He was able to get it, take it, and what is 70 some yards. Those things change the momentum of games. And then you go to Tampa, which is always tough. We're not talking about it right now, but going east to west or west to east is always tough to get a victory because you're so dehydrated coming off a plane. Uh, TJ's dad, by the way, Tim, a DB coach at Buffalo, played at USC, great college player, six-time pro bowler for the Cardinals and the 49ers. Uh, a couple lingering questions I have as they relate to Week 5, Bills and Rams. Uh, how much did EJ Gaines help last week in the secondary, and what does it say about the Rams moving forward in the back end that they've got him, they've got Troy Hill, and they've got Cody Sensabaugh inactive at least last week. You know, I like EJ being back on defense because I think it makes for a better Tremaine Johnson. I know that that's weird to say. Um, EJ Gaines is one of the more tactically sound corners you're going to see. I mean, the guy worked hard at Mizzou. He's working hard now. So 
rarely out of position, and smart guy. If you catch it in front of him, that's pretty much all you get. Doesn't miss a lot of tackles. So uh, having that consistent performer on the other side, I think, allows Jermaine Johnson to be more of a maverick, more of a gambler, more of a shutdown type guy. I think it, I think it balances out the secondary, having him back in there. I think the more he plays, the more Gaines plays, the better he'll be. Um, there was a play uh, in cover two where he kind of took the short route instead of sinking back to take away the corner. But that's all with experience. The more he plays, the more comfortable he'll be. I think you'll, we just saw a little bit of what he can do, and I think he's going to grow into being you know similar type. Of, I can't say Janoris Jenkins, but playing that other corner very well. Well, you know, there was that one point that he actually had beaten Tremaine Johnson out. I mean, he had Tremaine on the bench when Janoris was the other corner, and then he got hurt and Tremaine came in and then – Boom, right. now he's the franchise guy. Yeah, I mean, he was a starter, so having him back out there, I think, just balances. So instead of Janoris, now Tremaine plays that guy. I still wouldn't want to travel people, for the most part, unless... you got to travel your best corner. Unless it's league, a key man. situation. you got to travel your best... I told you against Tampa, right. DeMarco, they were going to travel But somebody Tremaine. made a great point. You didn't believe me. It's an excellent point, right? If you do travel a corner, you better make sure the other guy can go to the other side and play that side. That's, that's the problem. Get, that's what you get paid for. <laughs> that's the problem. Right. If, if you go to this side, you better make sure that the other guy is comfortable playing over there. The one thing about Greg Williams that I love is he doesn't teach one guy how to play one position. He teaches one guy the whole defense and why and the concept and the concept of the defense. So when we're rushing, when we're blitzing and why we're playing cover three, this is what this guy is going to do. So you can move Tremaine inside and rush him and right. blitz him and then also have him outside and play coverage. As we run out of time here, let me flip sides of the football and ask you about the wide receiver rotation. Assuming Farrell Cooper and Nelson Spruce are good to go again this weekend, is Sunday their time, or do nope. you not mess with the receiving core that's producing reasonably well right now? You get special teams, and they're, and they're balling. Look, here's the question, right? Would you, Michael Thomas and Bradley Marquez for Farrell Cooper and Nelson Spruce, right? One's going to help you offensively. The other two are killing it on special teams. So if Jeff Fisher walks down the hall and asks Bones Fossil, hey, look, I'm going to take two of your best off your special team so I can get these offensive guys up, he might punch him. I'm serious. The, the reason you're in these games is because of lights-out special teams, and those guys play a big part. So it's tough. And which receiver are you sitting down? You're going to sit down quick? No. Tavon, you can't do no. that. So, I mean, look, if you can't cover, can't play. That's just the way it is. Could be another redshirt year for these guys. Uh, last one from me, uh, remaining schedule, and it's a big remaining schedule, 12 of them. Collectively, 20 and 28 for the Rams. Seven of their remaining opponents out of 12 are 1 and 3 going into tonight, including the Niners and Cardinals. So one of those teams is going to 1 and 4. Do you care whatsoever? I only care about what, what the next <laughs> game is. Like, what, Buffalo, you have a Buffalo team that's hot, won two games in a row, one in New England. They're riding high on confidence. If you saw before the New England game, they're about to fight the Patriots and things like that. They're they're believing themselves. So you you can't focus on it. I mean, we can, but I, I, I try to just stick to what they're going to do against Buffalo because if you win at Buffalo, it makes the road a little bit easier. Yeah, they don't play the division again until the final three weeks of the season, week 15, Oof. 16, and 17. So nights like tonight, there are losses to be had in the NFC West, and the Rams aren't anywhere near them, which is kind of relieving. Uh, have you ever seen a sandwich schedule like this, DeMarco Farr, where you play three in the first four weeks and then three in the last three weeks? Uh, not that I can remember. It's pretty unique. No, I, but – it keeps the division play hot towards the end. Yes. That, that will be fun. Right. Especially when you get to see San Francisco again. When, you, when is that game again? 
Uh, you got Christmas, uh-huh. and then you have Seattle, and then you have Arizona on New Year's Day. I, if I'm on this football team, if I'm a current Ram, I, 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 I can't wait for that game. Let's see those guys one more time. And two out of those three will be at home. The yep. short week, the Thursday night in Seattle, the only road trip. All right, the Jeff Fisher Show is live from the Westlake Village Inn, Mondays at 6. Coach Fisher will recap this Bills game and preview our trip to Detroit against the Lions coming up on Monday, 6-7 to 7, at the Westlake Village Inn and here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. A reminder that coming up, Right now, after us, what the heck? It's the debut episode, at least in Los Angeles. Danny Kleppinger and Rams punter Johnny Hecker bring their show from St. Louis out here to Southern California. Thanks for joining us here on Rams All Access. We'll talk to you Sunday at the Coliseum on ESPN LA 710.